Hello, brothers and sisters. Pastor Jason here. I'm so excited to be on this episode with you. I have a good friend with me today, and he's Pastor Joplin Emerson from the Well Worship Center in Derby, Kansas, and I'm excited to have him as a guest on this podcast today. Joplin, it's so good to have you on this podcast. Good to be here. Thank you. I'm always encouraged to hear the stuff that I hear going on in Derby, but not only do you have a great church in Derby, you also have a ministry there in Honduras. Uh, How long have you been doing that ministry? Uh, let's see. We first flew into Honduras it would have been July of 2017. Um, so really two years coming up on two years this July. And I think we're getting ready to take our sixth team into uh, Honduras coming up here next week on Saturday. That's a wonderful ministry. As a you give to kids, you give beds, you give uh, medical supplies, and you're able to meet the needs down there. It just sounds so encouraging that you're looking outside and doing something else. Uh, for another country and a place, you know, you can be the hands and feet where we're not. Well, Pastor Joplin, one of the things I would like to have you speak to our listeners today about is, first of all, there's so much coming up. You know, if you've been in church very long at all, you'll see that there are differences in churches and difference in worship. And not all those things are bad. I think diversity is a good thing. But there's a lot of being said about, you know, the emergent church, you know, that basically, in my opinion, that's a church that emerges from what's traditional that says, hey, we're not going to do church like grandma and grandpa did. We're going to do church differently. So they want to look different than the church. Not that they aren't doing good things, but they are basically the one goal is do church different than we've always done it. The culture's changed, so let's change. And then also with the seeker sensitive church and where that is more of a friendship evangelism, you know, befriend people, which there's nothing wrong with friendship evangelism, but the whole idea is just to be a friend to them and be nice to them. And then slip the gospel in with the hook. And, you know, those things, you may disagree, listeners, with that. But really, the study that I've seen with a lot of those churches, if you're truly seeker sensitive or truly uh, the other uh, emergent church, then that's kind of the idea. But in these different cultures, in these different churches, I want you to speak about what ministry is, what ministry should look like, you know, not just in the church, but also in individual lives. And if you could, Joplin, could you speak to about that? All right. So uh, first of all, great question. Uh, it's a big question. And um I want to say before getting to it, thank you for letting me be here today. I'm honored to be your guest. And um, I have some thoughts. Can't claim that I have all of the answers. But um, let's start with, uh, first of all, acknowledging that the type of question you just asked is something I have for the last six months, maybe even as much as a year, spent a lot of time thinking about. And um, the the heart of the question is, what is church supposed to be like? Uh, what should we expect from a church? And um, the premises of your question starts off with, um, so our culture has uh, begun to shift in certain areas and uh, of all the shifts, you know, what's right, what's wrong? Um, you know, do we hold to the old time way? Do we allow the shift to happen? And all, all I can do is speak from my perspective. And I have just, my mind has not really uh, ever thought in those terms. Even even when I've read articles on such, um, I just tend to not go there. For me, the question is, what does Scripture say? And um, is there any biblical support for a given model 
Um, is there any biblical reason to reject a certain model? And, f- and for me, the scriptures always have to be the heartbeat that drives what we do as a ministry. And I'm going to give you some examples. This might not be very specific to the emergent church um, or seeker-friendly or the old-time way, um, but I know for us, one of the things that um, we've really grappled with is small groups. And so the question of cell groups, small groups, are they right? Are they wrong? And what I have found is that it's a complicated topic. And at the end of the day, I had to go back to the scriptures and ask myself, what what do we see the church doing? Um, while it is true that we see groups, for example, meeting regularly, daily in homes in the book of Acts, New Testament Christianity, we don't see any premises that the church itself controlled those groups, that it was the church's responsibility to find leaders for each group and assign people to groups. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong. Um, we live in a culture that's hungry for relationships. But I think if we're not careful, we'll just automatically assume it is the church's job to build these relationships for people. And then all of a sudden, we as pastors are taking on responsibility to create ministries and create things that have come to be standardly expected from the church that when we go back, it's not that they're not, it's not that there's anything wrong with groups, right with groups, there's nothing wrong with the church that has groups. We currently run small groups. Um, but this is one of the topics that I can point to that often we're talking about the topic, trying to figure out which right, right or wrong, um, with very little sincere study of the scriptures of, do the scriptures say this is right or wrong? And so um, for me, I think each church, each ministry, each set of pastors um, have to be willing to go to the scriptures. Amen. Determine if the scriptures uh, support um, or demand is another word I would use. Demand that we do a thing a certain way, and um, and and that we just build our churches as best as we possibly can based upon the scriptures. And there have been times I've had to look at people and just say sincerely, "There's nothing wrong with this idea, but it's not our job." So, so this isn't something we do as a church. Doesn't mean that it's wrong that if another church is doing it, that they do it. But um, it's not the church's job to do X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Um, according to scripture. And so I think we have to define early what is the purpose of the church? Because this was your question. So if you're new, say you just get saved, uh, uh, your faith has been ignited, maybe it's been dormant for years and, and, and you've recommitted your life to God and you want to be part of a good, healthy, thriving church. I think um, we start with the wrong premises at times where a lot of times people are going in and it's like, what does a church have for me? What groups do we have? Well, that's right. And, and, when we look at New Testament Christianity, we don't see that the church had any of those things. And I want to repeat, I'm not saying those things are wrong. In fact, if you were to look at a lot of the things we offer at the well, we have some of these things in place. My point is, what's most important is not the programs, it's not the things. What's most important is that the Word of God is being preached in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit, yes. that we see the house of God as a place of worship, where we show up corporately to worship God, and we come to have our faith increased by hearing the Word of God preached. And so if I'm a person that's looking for a church, that's what I'm looking for first. 
It's not the church's responsibility to build my relationships for me. It's not the church's responsibility to make me friendly. It's not the church's responsibility to have a bunch of little programs for me or my children or my specific needs. The first primary responsibility of the church is to be a place where when I come, I can leave and have learned something about the Word of God. I have something that I can take and put into action because my faith has been stirred as I have heard the Word of God preached, and it needs to be a place where I come to worship God corporately with God's people. Those two aspects of church need to be the most important aspects people are looking for when they're looking for a healthy church. And I would argue that we as spiritual leaders, pastors of the church, those things must be our priority. Everything else takes second place. That's good. That's so good. So as I go into a church, there should be some things that, you know, I'm personally, I love how you address the idea of what the church does and what we should be looking at through the church. Now, as we, what I see is such a big lack. And even in my life, I staggered for a while in areas that I would go to church. I would hear the sermon. I would be involved in worship. I would be at the altar. I'd, I would be broken over my sin. I think it's important that we have a brokenness of heart. And David talked about that after his great fall with Bathsheba, you know, in the Psalms. But when I, and then what I found out for a lag in my life was an idea of I had to learn the principle of what's it look like for me? How can I, you know, go from focusing on me and, and focus on what God's done in my life, which is all good. And then how do I, what's ministry look like for me? Cause I, I see a, a big lack, uh, not necessarily in our church or your church, but I do see it as, as the church as a whole, the United States, I see a lack of real ministry driven and what's that look like I I know there's different ministry gifts of what what should that look like for me what should I be doing to make sure that this river of life runs through me not just to me yeah so uh, another great question and um, and I I would argue that the answer to that question is one of the most important answers that every church uh, has to arrive to at some point or another ultimately the question here is about how do we mobilize God's people to be actively using their gifts and building the kingdom of God. And uh, at the heart of every Christian, there is that desire. There is the desire and the drive to know that my life matters and that I'm doing something for the benefit of God's kingdom. And when it's all said and done, I'm going to be able to um, stand before God and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so the question is, you know, how how do we do that? How do we develop that in the church? How does an individual um, move into uh, functioning and living that way? Again, the premises to the question, um, if we're not careful, we, we try to jump to the answer. Tell me what to do. Tell me where to go. Tell me how to use my gift. And I think we have to back up again and and start with a few things biblically. We see the book of Acts um, catch on fire in Acts chapter 2 where thousands are added to the church. Yeah. And while it seems obvious, it needs to be stated that what they did not do was immediately find thousands of positions within the church for everybody to do something. We didn't have 400 children's leaders and 300 singers and 200 administrators and 50 secretaries and 57 pastors. And and so my point is, is that ministry was almost always for the great majority of people. I'm talking 95% of the church. Ministry happened outside of the church. 
But if you ask the average person now what they think of ministry, what are they doing? They tend to think of what do I do inside of the church? This can be incredibly um, damaging for several reasons, because if you think that ministry primarily happens in the church, you'll constantly feel like you're failing. Most people will, unless they're one of the few 5% that happen to be pastors, happen to be on the stage singing. And, And the reality is that's just the small people. And I'm not diminishing those ministries. I happen to function in the capacity of one of those ministries. They are important and they have their place. I still say, even as a senior pastor, that we have placed way too much emphasis on ministry in the body to the body. And we begin to see ministry in only those terms. The reality is when you look at New Testament Christianity, the reason they caught on fire wasn't because they found a way to have 40 different children's church pastors and a hundred different pastors and a bunch of people that were administrators and everybody had their little role in the church. And, you know, we've got door greeter ministry and we've got this ministry and we've got usher ministry and we've got deacon ministry and we've got, that wasn't the reason the church was so successful. That's right. The reason it was successful is because the majority of the church understood real ministry happens when we take our faith and we live it publicly and we share the gospel and we take it to our neighbors. And we saw a first century church that was fearless. They didn't care if they were persecuted. They didn't care what was going on. They met publicly. They worshiped publicly. They baptized publicly. They spoke about it publicly. And if they ended up getting dispersed, they went wherever they had to go and they started sharing the gospel there. And so I start with that as the foundation for where ministry starts. And then to get to your specific question, how do I get involved in ministry? Well, I have to understand that ministry is a choice. It is a sincere willingness to open my mouth and testify about what God is doing, what God has done, and share the hope that I have with other people. And again, I want to go to something I said earlier. It's not the responsibility of the pastors of the church. It's not the responsibility of the leadership of the church to be creating these opportunities. The reality is these opportunities are everywhere. They're at the workplace. They're at the market. They're in the Walmart line. Every person listening to this podcast, every person that's part of a church, every person that's a Christian, they live in their own unique world And they come in contact with people every day that only they come in contact with that day. And so ministry happens when we are willing to see that and see everything we do as an opportunity for ministry. And I believe the devil has duped us into seeing ministry in this very small vein of you have to have a title. You've got to have a very specific role that's defined. So when somebody says, what's your ministry? You can say, I'm the title of this position and here's my duties at this position. And most people feel like if they don't have that, they don't have a ministry. Yeah, You'll find that dynamic did not exist in the first century church. It is absent from the book of Acts. Ministry happened by the average Christian being brave enough, courageous enough, on fire for God enough that they couldn't stop talking about their faith. And you will find churches that are growing, churches that are thriving, the the model is still the same today. The reason they grow, the reason they thrive is because their people are excited about what God is doing and they're talking about it. It really is that simple. Amen, brother. That's right. I'll tell you what, that was a great response. I could not have said that better myself. And 
I was wondering, uh, you know, just in the last, we have a few more minutes in this show. Could you kind of sew into the people and, you know, how, how long have you been saved now? I, I forgot to ask that. How long have you been saved now, Joplin? Let's see. I was saved in January of 2000. And uh, so coming up on 20 years. Praise the Lord. Do you mean to tell me we're that old? I've been knowing you now for 25 years. Man, I did not realize it had been that long. Well, just for the few more minutes left, Pastor, I'd like for you to just be able to sow into the people and and, you know, maybe encourage them and speak into their life, you know, with all this going on and all the news and all the changes and uh, the culture and also in the church. Just take a few minutes here to speak life into them and just maybe encourage them in their walk. Just a couple of minutes to share 20 years of uh, what I've, yeah, what, what God has done and, and maybe, how God's maybe encouraged Maybe the last me. week. Yeah. So, okay. Um, yeah. I don't know if this will sound like an encouragement off uh, off the, the start, but I tell you, for me, um, it is encouraging to know that we've been called into a war and um, at times war is scary. Uh, at times war is hard. But I can't really think of anything more honorable, uh, more exciting, more adventurous than knowing that the God of heaven and earth has saved me and then put his nature in me and then called me. And the same is true of all of his children. He has called us into this battle of winning souls, of um, overcoming the devil through the power of Jesus. That's an exciting thing. Um, and, and I think to be real successful and to stay encouraged, we have to know that this is what God's called us to. It's not going to be easy. That's right. But um, I think deep in the heart of every person, God has placed this desire to do something that isn't easy and uh, something that is hard, something that's honorable, something that's valiant. And so I would encourage God's people you know, a lot of times we look around and um, we get discouraged at just the chaos in the world, the pain, the destruction, the sorrow, the death, the wars, uh, and, and we become discouraged. And I think we become discouraged because one, yes, those things are difficult to look at. But number two, somewhere we were deceived into thinking that this wasn't the world that we lived in. And and then when we see it, we're shocked. The reality is the word of God told us this is exactly how things were going to be. And yet he's called you and I, he's called his children to engage into this battle, to be brave, to run into it with all of our heart, all of our strength, and just be his sons and daughters to a lost and dying world. And for me, that's deeply encouraging. Yes. It gives purpose. It gives a reason to get up every day. It gives me a reason to talk to the person in the Walmart line. Gives me a reason to go find somebody at work that's discouraged and share with them my hope. It gives me a reason to be a witness in this day, in this hour, in this time, because God's called us for such a time as this. So I would encourage uh, your listeners today, Jason, um, to see what God's called them to do in the true light of something honorable, something brave, something courageous. Yes, it's a war. It's not always going to be easy. It takes a great degree of determination. uh, But in the end, it's all going to be worth it. Praise the Lord. That's such a such a good response, such a great encouragement. There's no greater thing we can be involved in that the king of our of the glory, the king of our soul would call us, that formed us out of dust, would call us into a war, a war that's worth fighting. Amen. Something with the greatest consequence we've ever seen in our life. But friends, I hope this word's been good to you. Again, uh, thank you, Pastor Joplin, for being here, the pastor of the Well Worship Center in Derby, Kansas, and not just a pastor, but a great friend of mine. I appreciate your friendship, Joplin. 
what I really do. And I appreciate your wife and your family, your ministry. I, I just love being able to see God doing his work through great people. So listeners, it's been good. I uh, hope this has been good to you. God bless you. Until next time, God bless.